reading today is from 2 Thessalonians 3, 1 through 5. Finally, brothers, pray for us that the word of the Lord may speed ahead and be honored as happened among you, and that we may be delivered from the wicked and evil men. For not all have faith, but the Lord is faithful. He will establish you and guard you against the evil one. And we have confidence in the Lord about you, that you are doing and will do the things that we command. May the Lord direct your hearts to the love of God and to the steadfastness of Christ. The word of God for the people of God. You may be seated. Thank you, brother, for the scripture reading. If you didn't hear that, we're going to be in 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, uh, verses 1 through 5. If we have not met, my name is Alan, and I serve as one of the teachers and writers here at Storehouse. It is a, an honor and privilege to be able to serve you and come alongside you as we study God's work together. Um, if this is your first time here at Storehouse, thank you so much for coming and being here with us. Uh, please do us a favor, though, before you leave, swing by the lobby and uh, go to the Connect Desk and fill out a Connect card. On that Connect card, um, you will put some, con- your, some of your contact information, and maybe you have questions about the church, maybe you have prayer requests. We would really love to come alongside you and pray f- with you and answer those questions, but we would also really like to get to know you. So, so please, before uh, you go, uh, swing by the, the Connect Desk and fill out a Connect card. And as uh, everybody knows, it's Father's Day. Fathers, happy Father's Day. Thank you so much for everything you do. You play an important part in, in, in God's design in a household and also in society. So we, we, we love you, and we do have a treat for you. So uh, if you're a father, you know, swing by the, the Connect Desk and, and pick up a treat that, that uh, we have for you there. And so happy Father's Day once again. Uh, if, hopefully that gave you enough time to get to Second Thessalonians. Uh, again, we're going to be in, in chapter 3, verses 1 through 5. And this is something that, that Charles Spurgeon said, which really kind of applies to what we're going to be talking about today. He said, and it's not going to be up there, but true prayer is neither a mere mental exercise nor a vocal performance. It is far deeper than that. It is a spiritual transaction with the creator of heaven and earth. Prayer is mentioned a lot in the Bible. And when we look at the Bible, we see that Jesus himself prayed. We see that John the Baptist prayed. We see even Paul. And we'll see today that that Paul prayed. And even for us in the Bible, uh, we are commanded to pray and to pray without ceasing. Prayer is an essentially important discipline of a Christ, in the Christian life. Unfortunately, Unfortunately, over time, prayer has been corrupted just like everything else in the Bible, everything else in this world, and there's been a lot of heresy and false doctrines that that come along and that that relate to prayer, and even us who get taught healthy doctrine and healthy Bible, we can easily lose sight of, of what prayer is. And one of the, one of the things that, that we see here in, in, in Charles Spurgeon who was a famous pastor and some would argue very famous devotional writer, that, that he said that prayer is a, is a transaction. Prayer is a transaction. That means that when we go into prayer, it's not just about dumping a load of information or wants on God. 
And it's not just about God talking to us, but, but it's actually a two-party thing. It's, it's not a one-party thing. It's not one way, it's two-way. And, and, and that means that we talk to God and God talks to us. It is a transaction. And this is what we're going to see today here in 2 Thessalonians, in the life of Paul and of the, the life of the Thessalonians. In our time today, we're, we're going to be talking a lot about prayer because Paul devotes a lot of his time in this section to prayer. But in the same manner, we are also going to see God's character in prayer. But once again, uh, prayer is a transaction. So we're going to talk about prayer, but we're also going to see God's character in prayer. And so this is our main idea for today. Um, Our main idea serves as a one-sentence summary of what we're going to be talking about in our time. This is our main idea. Prayer is a way or prayer is a means that God displays his faithfulness. It's going to be up there. Maybe you could write it down. I just would really love to pray with you all before we we get started. So please uh, pray with me. Lord, we give you thanks. We thank you for your inspired word through the Apostle Paul. We thank you for, for, for your word in our everyday lives. And as we embark on, on, this, on this small journey in getting to understand you, Lord, we would pray that you would reveal yourself to us. You tell us in, in Jeremiah that we should not boast in our riches or in our might, but that we know you and understand you. And that is what we're trying to do here today, Lord. So we would pray that you would reveal yourself to us in such a way that not only do we recognize this as your word, but we actually go and put it into action because we do not just want to be hearers of your word. We we want to be doers of your kingdom. So in Jesus' name we pray, Lord. Amen. As we get into into chapter 3, if you notice verse 1 of chapter 3, he says, finally, brothers. That's Paul. And this word finally could actually be better translated to besides that. Besides everything else that I've already said, um, that's almost like a transition word. And this is not uncommon in, 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 in Paul's writing. Because usually in his letters, Paul not only has a very dense theological portion as we have seen for the last couple of weeks, but he also includes a very practical portion in his letters noted by a transition phrase or a transition word, and in this case, it is finally. This is one of those cases. So he's now going to move on to talk about some practical things. And, and he says, finally, brothers, pray for us. This, this word in the Greek is literally surround us with your prayers. He's asking for the Thessalonians prayers. When it comes to prayer, I think in a very simplistic definition, prayer is talking to God and God talking to us and vice versa. That's, that's, that's a very bare and simplistic definition. But, but during this time, as we get, we get into prayer and we approach God in prayer, our posture or better yet, the, the stance of, of our heart or the attitude of our hearts is revealed. That, that's what posture is. Our posture is, is, is our stance of our hearts or attitude of our hearts as we approach prayer. And in prayer, that is revealed. And so by simply saying this phrase, we can make 
A couple of quick observations in regard to Paul's posture and prayer. That's kind of the first point that we're going to tackle, Paul's posture. Just simply by his phrase, pray for us. The first thing that, that we should notice about his posture is that his posture is one of dependence. One of dependence. He says pray. As you know, Paul was brilliant. He was logical. He was educated. And if he were, if he were to exist today, we would even call him what we call people naturally gifted. That's who he was. We would describe him to be that way. However, we see clearly here that to him, the success he had was only because of God. He knew that, that it was the power of God at work on him. And he, this is the same thing he tells the Colossians in chapter 1, verse 29. For this I tell, for this I work. I toil, I work for this, struggling with all his energy that he powerfully works within me. Paul did not depend on his own talent, his own brilliance. He depended on God, and we see this in his prayer. He was fully submitted to God as opposed to being submitted to himself and dependent on himself. But, but more than that, not only do we see his, his dependence, but we see his, his, his posture is one of humility. He says, pray for, pray for. And then from what we've seen in this series, one thing that, that we could use to be described the Thessalonians is young in faith. They were a young church. But, but, but despite them being young, in their faith, Paul asks for their prayers. Remember, these were the same discouraged, weak-hearted, legalistic-hearted Christians that we saw last week. Yet instead of playing the apostle card of, you know, I'm more educated and more experienced with you. God uses me more than he, he uses you. Uh, I don't need any prayer. As a matter of fact, let me pray for you. We see Paul's humility in asking for their prayers. So we could look at it as that Paul, being one of the strongest Christians in the history of mankind, is asking for the prayers of some of the weakest Christians in history. Because they were young. But again, that's his posture of humility because he knew ultimately that that it wasn't the Thessalonians that were going to do this work in him. It was God himself who was going to work in him. But lastly, not only do we see Paul's posture and dependence and humility, but also his, his, his posture is one of thoughtfulness. He says, pray for us. Pray for us. And the thing that we have to remember is that Paul always traveled in a crew. He always had his team. And, and, and he always had a team around him, and he, often he would go with, with a couple of guys to, to spread the gospel. In this case, it was Sylvanus and, and Timothy that were alongside him. And so he's telling the Thessalonians, pray for us. Instead of saying, pray for me, because you know, I'm the one who's writing this letter. Pray for me, who's, who's, who's seen you. Pray for me that I get direct revelation from God. He says, pray for us. Pray for my team. We need your prayers. And we see this exact same pattern as 1 Thessalonians as we saw last series. We're seeing it now, but also 2 Corinthians and Colossians. Paul is a team player. He is thoughtful of the people around him. And that's Paul's posture. His heart is revealed, and it's one of dependence on God, one of of humility, and, and one of thoughtfulness to his team. And then he goes on to make his request known to the Thessalonians. Pray for us. And now we go on to, to Paul's requests. He, he prays, he asks for, for three things. 
Pray for us that the word of the Lord, that is, that is the word of God, the inspired word of God, the first thing he says is, may the, the, the word of the Lord may speed ahead. This word speed ahead means run freely with no hindrance. It's almost like the imagery of, of, of a runner making rapid progress. And this is the same thing he tells Timothy in 1 Timothy. He says about the gospel, I'm preaching the gospel, and, and, and for this I am bound, I am suffering, I am bound with chains. And then he says, but the word of God is not bound. It runs. It runs freely. Paul's prayer is that the word of God would spread rapidly, run freely without hindrance, that it would spread a, a speed ahead of the competition. This is his prayer. First thing, that the word of God would, would speed ahead. That it would speed ahead. Secondly, he says, and be honored. A better word for honor is glorified. In other words, that, that, that is accepted as God's word, that is affirmed, that, that it, would, it would speed ahead of the competition and that the word of God would win in their lives, that it would win. And what does that look like in the lives of Thessalonians? Because he says this, right? And be honored as happened among you. So what does it look like for the word of God to win in a church? What does it look like for the word of God to win in an individual we see this in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 13 to 14. This is what he says. And we also thank God constantly for this. That when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it. Not as the word of man, not as opinion, not as what it relates to culture, but as what it really is, the word of God, which is at work in you, believers. For you became imitators of the churches of God and Christ Jesus that are in Judea. For the word to be honored, for it to be glorified, to it, for it to win, it is accepted, yes, but the word of God in a person, who is a word, when, the, when the word of God wins in a person, it changes that person. It is accepted, yes, but, but, but it is at work in you. That, that is what, what the word of God looks like, to be honored, to be glorified. And that's why we always pray. Or at least I always pray when I'm up here, man, we, we want to be hearers of your word, but we also want to be doers because we want the word of God to be honored. We want it to be glorified. We want it to win in our lives. And that's what it looked like for the word of God to be glorified. It was accepted to the point that they were transformed by it. And so, so far, as it comes to his, his actual request, both of these requests, if you notice, have to do with the, the success of the message. He was praying for the success of the message. He says, pray for us that the word of the Lord, before anything else, that the word of the Lord, well, that it would speed ahead and be honored. It had to do with the success of the message, but, but his final request has to do with the safety of the messengers. And he says, as it happened among you, and that we, once again, thoughtfulness, we may be delivered from wicked and evil men. That, that, that he prays that they would be delivered. Pray for us that we would be delivered. And it is no secret that, that, that Paul, uh, for most of his born-again Christian life, he, he was being persecuted by a lot of people. And, and we have a lot of evidence that, of that in the Bible. And, and just one piece of evidence, if we, if we go over to Acts 13... Verses 48 through 50, we see this. This is what Acts says. And when the Gentiles heard this, that, that, is, that is Paul's preaching the gospel. And when the Gentiles heard this, they began rejoicing 
and glorifying the word of the Lord. That, that's one, that was one of his prayer requests, right? Of course, this was reading, uh, written before Second Thessalonians. But he says, glorifying the word of the Lord, and as many as were appointed to eternal life, they believed. And the word of the Lord was spreading throughout the whole region. Again, that was one of other uh, Paul's uh, requests. But then it says, but the Jews incited the devout women of high standing and the leading men of the city stirred up persecution against Paul and Barnabas and drove them out of the district. Paul was persecuted for, for preaching the word. And these were the challenges that not only Paul but his team. And again, he says, pray for us. So, so, so he asked for prayer so that they would be delivered from, from wicked men and evil men. Wicked meaning the men who, who have the potential to harm others and, and evil men, those who are corrupted in nature that don't want anything to do with, with the word of God. That they would be delivered. And I, I have a pretty good feeling that to Paul, it wasn't for the sake of his safety. It wasn't for the sake of his preservation. It wasn't for the sake of his comfort. But, but it was for the sake that they would go safely and unhindered so that they would go and spread the gospel. His prayer is that they would go unhindered safely so they could go and spread the gospel more. We see Paul's posture in his prayer. We see the humility we see the dependence. We see the thoughtfulness. And so here we go. Let's get practical because it begs the question. It begs the question for us, how serious do we take prayer? How intentional do we take prayer? If, if, if prayer is talking with God and, 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 and God talking to us and if he is our father, that we as, as, as his children should, should be doing it often and with the right posture, with the right stance of heart. Because see, the reality is a lot of people pray. A lot of people pray, but often it can be with the wrong posture and that comes out in their prayers. Just like with Paul, the prayers that we say reveal a lot about our posture, reveal a lot about our heart. And, and we just saw, we had a good concrete example of, of Paul's prayer request aligning with his posture, aligning with the attitude of his heart, with the stance of his heart. Though They were aligned, and it works the same with us. So what do your prayers look like? I'm going to give you a couple of scenarios, and we'll see where you land from here. Are you part of those individuals who, who give perfect prayers? Though those who believe that you need to, to pray a certain and specific way for it to be effective, especially praying for, for someone, and these individuals feel the need that, that, that they need to go all out in a fancy prayer. And, and so, so if we look at it, what is the posture of that person? Oh, that's arrogance. You just want to look good. It's not really so much about the things that, 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 that you want to say. It's more of a, well, what you want people to hear. Or, or do you fall in the camp of those who forget to be honest? Those that feel that need to filter their emotions when, when they come to God. And, and these people, you know, uh, pray about pretty much everything except pray in repentance. And what does that say about the posture? Prideful individuals. That comes out on the prayer. I don't, I, I don't need to confess my sin because I don't really 
take my sin serious? How about those that give up too soon when they pray? And usually people who give up too soon when they pray, they stop praying because nothing's happening. And really, at the end of the day, God's love for them is dependent on answered prayers. And because God hasn't answered my prayer, then he must not love me. What does that posture say? That's selfish. Because that's about me. What I want. The things that, that, that I desire. Or do you land on, on the camp of those who, who treat prayer as a last resort? Those who feel that, that they have exhausted all of their other resources, but then think about prayer instead of it being the very first thing they do. What does that say? Oh, casual. Prayer is there anyway. It's always there. I could, I could do it whenever I want. So let me just do all of this, and then if that doesn't work, I, I guess I'll, I'll, I'll tackle prayer. Or how about those who don't pray at all? Those who don't feel the need to pray or don't see the reason to pray, what does that say? Very passive. Very passive individuals, just coasting by. I don't need to communicate with God. And God, I mean, he knows me. He, know, he knows my inner thoughts, so why, why, why do I actually have to pray? Some of you may, may land in one category, and some of you like myself, may land in multiple categories. But, but regardless of whatever category you fall in, these are all wrong ways to go about prayer because it speaks of the wrong posture in prayer. There's another purpose behind your prayer if you land in one of these. And because of that, we need to go in repentance to God because he has not made prayer so that we could have uh, barriers up of arrogance, pride, selfishness, Passivity, God has not intended prayer to be this way. He has actually intended prayer to be authentic. He has intended prayer because he, he, he wants to genu uh, genuinely hear from his children. And it is our responsibility as his children to go to him in prayer with the proper posture because he deserves all the glory. And again, I don't know where you land in this, but, but the fact of the matter is these are all wrong postures. And we need to repent of this because prayer is not a last resort thing. Prayer is not a thing where we have to filter. Prayer is not about how well we sound to others. It is our relationship with God. And so, so after Paul himself praying with the proper posture, and we see his request, he tells us at the end, at the end of his prayer, or his, at the end of his request, why he needs his prayer. And he says, for not all have faith. And obviously everything that we just covered, it just proves to be true. Not all have faith. Not, not, not all of them have this understanding of God, and because of that, they're going to want to go ahead and do something to him. Not all have faith, and that's why he prayed. The reason why he prayed that the word would speed ahead, that it would be honored, that it would be delivered, is because not all have faith. And so after, after highlighting man's unfaithfulness, Paul's now going to move on and talk about the Lord's faithfulness. Verse 3 starts off with, but the Lord is faithful. But the Lord is faithful. Although men are unfaithful, Lord, the Lord is faithful. So what does it mean for the Lord to be faithful? Because a lot of us, won't, as we're counseling, right, uh, talking to another brother and sister, okay, 
we, we, we kind of use this word flippantly, but, but Paul actually gets to the root of, of, of what it means for God to be faithful in 2 Timothy. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 11 to 13, this is what he says, The trustworthy is saying, for if we have died with him, we will also live with him. If we endure, we will also reign with him. If we deny him, he will also deny us. And then he says, if we are faithless, he remains faithful. Well, what does this word faithful mean? It means reliable. It means trusted. And so why or to who? Why does God remain faithful? To who does God remain faithful? And the, the, the ending says, for he cannot deny himself. God's faithfulness begin and is rooted first and foremost in his commitment to be God. The Lord is committed to himself, and as a result, he is committed to his word. He has said what he has to do, and it will get done. With God, there, there, there are no void promises. With God, everything will come to pass. There are no such thing as empty words with God. Because he cannot deny himself. He is faithful. He is trusted. And so because of that, Paul is going to show us what comes from, that, from God's faithfulness. The result of faithfulness. And, and he moves on, but the Lord is faithful. And he tells the Thessalonians, he will establish you. Again, that word establish is like the third Sunday already. Uh, but, but this word establish, just real quick, I know that we, we've dove into this word a lot. But this word establish is the same one that we saw last week, which means to, to strengthen. To strengthen. And so Paul is telling the Thessalonians because, because God is faithful, because God is faithful, he will strengthen them and he will supply them with whatever it is they're lack, lacking. Because God is faithful to himself and, he's, and he, as a result, he is faithful to his word, he will provide. He will establish you. He will strengthen you. And then he says, he will establish you and guard you against the evil one. This word guard literally means to, to protect or to keep somebody. And it is the same word that John writes in 1 John 5.18. You know, we know that everyone who has been born of God does not keep on sinning. But he who was born of God protects him. And the evil one does not touch him. But, but once again, I want you to notice how Paul is talking about these two things. The, the strengthening of the Thessalonians and, and, and the guarding of Thessalonians. He's saying that God will. He will do it. And he tells him the exact same thing in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. He says, then after praying for him, he says, Now may the Lord God of peace himself sanctify you, establish you, strengthen you completely, and may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept guard. Blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, he who calls you is faithful. He will surely do it. It's not so much, uh, uh, you know, if he feels like it. No, he will surely do it. This is something that he will do. And that's why Paul could, with conviction, say he will establish you and he will guard you from the evil one. The Lord is faithful. And out of that faithfulness, what happens? We get confidence, verse 4. And we have confidence in the Lord about you. Because the Lord is trustworthy, because he's reliable, Paul's team trusts in him, and that brews confidence in his team. First Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 1 says, Finally then, brothers, we ask and urge you in the Lord Jesus that you receive from us how you ought to walk. Because if we go back to 2 Thessalonians, he say, man, we have this confidence that, that you are doing. And if we go back to 1 Thessalonians, he says, and to please God just as you were doing. 
that you do so more and more. He's saying, we have this confidence in God that you will continue to do the things that, that you are doing. And we saw that in 1 Thessalonians. But not only does Paul have this confidence in the Lord for the things that, that the Lord um, is doing, but he also has confidence in what the Lord will do because he says that you are doing and will do the things we command. That he will do it. It's a very Philippians 1 type thing for, for I am sure of this that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion in the, at the day of Jesus Christ. He will do it. And so Paul and his team are not, are not, don't trust solely in the, in the Thessalonians to continue their work. But their confidence comes from knowing that the Lord is faithful to his word and as a result, faithful to his people. He will continue and complete the work he has started in their lives. They have confidence in the Lord that he will do that. And church, this is where our main idea comes around full circle. Because we have just finished talking about prayer. And we saw Paul's posture in prayer. And we saw his prayer request. And Paul has devoted so much time in, in praying for the Thessalonians. And in his prayer, he is confident because the Lord is faithful to his word and to his people. And it's the same with us. When we go before God in prayer with the proper posture... And as we saw with Paul, and we get vulnerable, and we get honest, we get sincere, we put our sin out there, we can be rest assured that the Lord will provide us with what we need because he is faithful. He displays his faithfulness in our prayers, and many of us have been witnesses of that. As we pray for God, whatever it is lacking, whatever need there is, we pray and God does something because he is faithful. But, but then on the other hand, there are many of us that have been going into prayer right now because you are in a difficult season. There are many of you praying because something's happening. And, and today I would like to remind you that the Lord is faithful. He will provide for you. I'm not saying that, that he will give you everything you want because he is not a genie and we just finished covering what proper prayer looks like. He is not a genie, but he will provide you with what you need because he is a faithful father. He won't give you what you want because he's not a genie, but he will give you what you need because he is a faithful father. And fathers, here's your application. What I'm about to say, I, I, I don't say it as a husband. I don't say it as a father because I don't have children. I simply say it as a son. This is the perfect father, our heavenly father. This is our spiritual father. And in the same way that, that, that the good father, the most holiest father, our godly father, provides and is faithful to his children and provides for his children, you must be providers as well. This is the burden of being a father like, like, I, like I opened up. You have a great responsibility in God's created order and a, a very, very... Um, Strong responsibility in society. As a father, 
You could look back and see our, our, our heavenly father and see the way that he treats his children. See the way that he treats the wife, his wife, the church, the bride. And so as a father, you should be faithful and provide. And I'm not just strictly talking about uh, uh, financial needs, monetary needs. This goes far beyond that. Your responsibility is, is, is to provide for your family counsel when it's necessary. Protection when it's necessary. Vision, because you're, you're the head of the, of the house. Vision for when it's necessary. This is the responsibility of a father, and we don't get it because we get uh, uh, some book in Barnes and Nobles, but we, we, we get this from the fact that we have a father. And even you who, who perhaps did not have a father growing up and are a father now, you get to see what a perfect father is. The Lord has disclosed himself to us so that we would see the Lord is faithful. The Lord provides. And, and then Paul, after talking so much of the faithfulness of God, how, how, how big that, that, that faithfulness just really inspires confidence in his team, he again is going to pray for them. Again, a lot of prayer. And I'll just be quick here. But, but in verse 5 he says, May the Lord direct your hearts to the love of God. That's his first prayer, the love of God. And may, may the word direct your hearts. And we've already seen this direct, this word direct. And it just really it's, it's, it's a clear path, a clear path without obstruction. May, may the Lord God provide a clear path without obstruction uh, to your heart, to his love. And remember, we, we've talked extensively about the love of God. And, and not only now do we have hell, judgment, right, uh, false doctrines, the Antichrist, all of those things. And then Paul is telling them, oh, now we're going to have people who, who are going to oppose the gospel. And we, we need your prayer and protection of us. So how, how much how much fear do you think that the Thessalonians have? Oh, quite a bit, and especially because they were young. But here he prays that, that, that their hearts would be directed to the love of God. Because the love of God creates comfort that no other thing in this world can offer. Security, protection, the love of God, the love of the Father. And then he says, and to the steadfastness of Christ. That's, that's the second prayer request. That, that not only, or his prayer, not only that it would direct our hearts to the love of God, but, but to the steadfastness of Christ. That is, that is the, really the enduringness of Christ. Because when, when we have this fatherly love from our father, it creates so much security that things could go wrong and we can be okay in knowing that we are secure. And that produces steadfastness. That produces endurance. That produces confidence. And that's what, that's what he's telling them here. That, that, the, that, the, that, the, that the, your heart would be directed to the love of God and in the same manner the steadfastness of Christ because I am confident that, that when, when you see this love of God, oh, you'll endure. You'll endure. Whatever it is that, that, that comes about, you will endure. That's the steadfastness of Christ, the, the enduringness of Christ. And at the end of the day, you know what's, what's going to happen with the Thessalonians? It's just going to help them grow. 
And that, that's what happens in our lives too. As, as we see things going on in, in our life and we pray, right, we're secured in the love of God, it produces a supernatural steadfastness, supernatural endurance, and, and allows us to keep walking, and our confidence just grows even more. Everything's very cyclical. And this is what Paul's prayer was for the Thessalonians, and at the end of the day, he, what he's really saying is, I really hope and I pray that the may, may the Lord just grow, start and continue growing, doing the things that you already have been doing, and just keep on doing them because you will grow. You will grow. This is prayer. This is God's faithfulness. This is, this is, this is humility. This is repentance. It is everything that entails in the, in the Christian life, and, and this is what we are called to do. And if you wouldn't consider yourself a Christian, thank you so much for coming and being patient as we talk about prayer and the Lord's faithfulness. But just like us, at one point we have all fallen short of the glory of God. And because of that, there's a barrier that gets put in place in which we don't have this access to him. But in God's faithfulness, he sent his only son and he died for the sins of sinners so that we could have this, this, this restored connection with God himself and you could freely and fully know who he is. But, but this only comes from, from repenting of your sin. That's really turning away from your sin and turning to God. You can have a prayer life with the Lord so as long as, as, as you come in repentance to him. And that is a promise he is faithful to forgive you of any of your sins. That's the faithfulness of our Lord. And church, that is, a, that is the faithfulness of our Father. The Lord is faithful in our prayers. That's the same thing as Paul. Let's, let's, let's get our hearts and let's have our hearts inclined to his love and, and that that will produce steadfastness in the time of need. Let's pray. Lord, we, we thank you. We thank you for your word that is sharper than any two-edged sword that penetrates our hearts and goes down to the deepest depths of, of our sin. Lord, we know and we need to be reminded that you're faithful. But the problem here is that we are weak. And we need of you every day. In this time, Lord, we, we would pray that, that we go to prayer before you and, and lay down our sin and repentance. With a with humble heart, pursue you. Because without you, we, we are nobody. And yet in spite of that, you have loved us. And even when we're unfaithful, you remain faithful. Lord, we, we would just simply pray that, that, that you would strengthen us.
as Paul prayed for the Thessalonians. That, that you would guard us as Paul prayed for the Thessalonians. And that, and that you would incite in us this confidence that, that, that goes beyond any other explanation, a, super, a supernatural confidence, Lord, which we would be grounded in you because we know that you're faithful and that leads us to love you and endure in this world. We pray, Lord, that, that you would be with us. In, in, in the troubles of our, of our family, in the troubles of our jobs, we, we pray that, that you would be with us there. Lord, we, we know that you're faithful. We just need to be reminded.